Welcome to the geek to geek podcast, where we are still searching for an opening tagline. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I am hopped up on allergy medicine, so I'm sorry for whatever you're about to listen to. It's going to make for a good show. Today, we're talking about Star Wars. Yay! Star Wars. Star Yay! Wars. Yay! Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is okay. So when Beige and I started talking about doing this podcast, I told him that well, we were trying to find a topic, right? We we said should we focus on one thing, like a narrow thing, and really find our audience that's into this one thing? And we decided no. Both of us sample a lot of popular culture and geek culture and all sorts of things. And I told him, yeah, that's true. You know, I flit from thing to thing, but I have one thing that I'm all the way into it's like my deep dive into geekdom and it's star wars and then he said let me show you something and what did you show me a picture of <laughs> which one was it what did i send you at that point was that the diorama that i set up in my window of my home office at that point or was that is that what i had sent because there's so many things that i tend to send i don't actually remember which one this one was so i saw the diorama behind you and i was like you're into star wars i'm into star wars this is awesome and then you said hang on a minute and you ran to your living room and you sent me a picture of a life-size yoda that you have yes I love my life-size Yoda. It was a Christmas gift from my parents right after episode two came out. And it is it is like my pride and joy. It is my precious. I love this thing. It's so cool. I'm so jealous of your Yoda. I don't have anywhere to have my own Yoda, but I'm jealous of it anyway. I have to keep it locked away in my home office now where I'm sitting right now. He's watching over us right now, by the way. I mean, he's giving us, you know, good vibes. He's holding his hand out, like giving the good force to us. It's uh, good. It's awesome. He's like just pushing light side at us. And uh, I don't have I'm scared to keep it out in my living room a lot now that we have a cat and a dog because I'm afraid his robes are going to get torn up. And I refuse to take it to work and put it in my office. I have a cardboard stand up of Yoda in my office, but I will not take the one, the actual statue, because all of these uh, all of these college kids, somebody's going to break it trying to mess with him. And I cannot have that. I, w- I would hate to have to beat one of my students for, for hurting Yoda. Don't break your Yoda. I, I cannot. I will not do that. Pro tip. Don't break your Yoda. Yeah. So that's it. We're talking about Star Wars. I don't really know exactly what we're going to talk about because I'm sure we'll just use up our time because I could talk yeah. about Star Wars for a long time. I have a couple ideas where to start. I mean, we could talk about our history with it. Yeah, that would probably be the best to go. So what got you into it? I have a really long story that that's like well long and, and involved uh, in, in a certain way. But what got you into this? I know mine, so I'll talk about it later. I want to know yours right now. OK, so I don't remember because Star Wars has kind of always been part of my life. Um, OK, I, I know that my parents must have just shown me the movies when I was younger. But I remember by the time I was buying action figures and toys and stuff. So, you know, probably like eight to 12 that year range okay i was buying star wars stuff so i was buying you know x-wings and y-wings and some of the action figures too but more and i was more into the ships and stuff so really my early memories are watching the movies they'd already been out because i was you know when i was born and when the movies came out like i wasn't part of the initial launch of them but my parents made sure that i saw them and then i grew up with the toys yeah like any good parents thanks mom thanks dad um no, really, thanks. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so I grew up with the toys. I mean, my intro was kind of merchandising in the 90s, honestly. And then from there, when I started to read and pick my own books, I've always been into Star Wars books. And I've actually read basically the entire old canon of Star Wars tie-in books, which is now called Legends because they kind of 
deprecated it when uh, Disney took over, but I read almost all of them and they're like hundreds of books. Like, have you ever seen the list of how many books there were? Oh, I have. And I used to try to keep up with it. I have an app on my phone I ended up deleting not long ago to keep up with the ones that I've owned and read. And it just kept expanding. I was like, I can never keep up with this because my goal was to read all of them at one point. And I realized that that is just as as absurd a goal as to read every book ever written. That I just cannot keep up with the number of Star Wars books that they're out there that I haven't read. So I basically did that. I basically kept up with all of them. Like I would go to the bookstore and my first visit, you know, I'd always check fantasy and sci-fi. But before I did that, I would go to the Star Wars section and see which ones were new and I would get them. I read almost all of those books. So that was my intro to them. And then by the time I was in high school was when the prequels came out. Right. And I was super pumped. And I loved the prequels the first time because... I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't know what a good movie was at the time. It was just, it was the first Star Wars movie that came out when I was old enough to appreciate that a Star Wars movie was coming out. Then, you know, looking back at them, I do not like the prequels that much, but I still love the books. I still love the universe. I've played probably every Star Wars video game that there is, maybe not some of the very older ones, but yeah, yeah, I've consumed as much as Star Wars media as I could. So I was so excited when episode seven came out. And it's yeah. just like it's totally reinvigorated like my love of the series. That's kind of my that's my quick overview. How mine's, about you? Mine's pretty close, actually. Uh, I, I do have a specific moment, though, that I remember getting into it because mine's the pretty much the same way with being in high school. And when episode one came out that I read so many of the Legends novels and that was pretty much all I read for, you know, however old I was when I found my first one, fifth, sixth grade, whatever, and just continued past there with the toys, all of this coming around. But what got me more than anything into Star Wars was I was born in 1983. I was born in January of 1983 and my parents have always told me that I was in the theater during the initial release of Return of the Jedi that I was five months old and they brought me to the movie because my dad and mom wanted to see this movie so badly so I know that I can say that I was there I obviously have no memory of it but I know that I was there and so when I was younger my parents had a party they had this get together and had a lot of people together and during this time at that point I was old enough that all of us kids would just hang out together the the their friends would bring their kids over and we would just hang out all night long and I remember my parents rented a movie and they put us in front of the tv and we're watching it and you know playing with our toys doing like kids do I noticed that Princess Leia had a, had had a nose job, and I was watching it, and Darth Vader was doing this, talking about Princess Leia's nose, and I thought it was hilarious about Princess Leia having her nose shaved off. Um, I didn't know at the time I was watching Spaceballs. I didn't know that, uh, <laughs> that that this wasn't Star Wars. I was that young that I have no idea how young this how how what this movie was. I just knew that you know it was funny, it was Star Wars, it was space, and it was awesome, and I seen the Star Wars movies before, but I didn't remember this scene. So I wanted to see it again, you know, the next summer, two summers later, however old I was, however old you are when your parents go to work, when you're on summer break and you're left at home alone. And that summer, I decided I wanted to see that scene again and watch that Star Wars movie. And so I watched the Star Wars movie that we had dubbed off on VHS, recorded from like when we rented it at the time. My parents had the home video like dubbed on the with handwritten Star Wars Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi on it. And so I go through and I watch these three movies. Of course, I see episode four come on and I'm like, okay, I'm watching this, reading it. I don't see the scene that I'm looking for. So I obviously think to myself, 
myself and my like eight to ten year old brain here. I, how I'm assuming I'm that old, and I see, well. That has to be in episode one, two, or three. Then, uh, if if this is episode four when we start, one, two, and three has to be where Princess Leia had her nose job. So I then go through every VHS tape that we have over that summer. Fast forward, and we have shelves of these, and these are running like eight to twelve hours long at this point. Oh man! And so I, that summer, what I did was either watch the Star Wars movies or go through on fast forward watching. Every single tape that my parents and I owned looking for episodes one, two, and three, and I could not find them. This is like 1991 to 93, six, at least six years before the, uh, before the pre, before episode one actually came out. And so I get so disappointed in this that I can't find it. Obviously, we didn't have Spaceballs taped off either, and I never found it. And I was so upset. So when I found out that episode one was coming out in 99, uh, you know, the years before that, I was already so into Star Wars from basically obsessively watching them frame by frame, wondering how in the world I missed this one scene that I just forced myself to be invested in it and love it so much that I already started basically film study trying to figure out why in the world I was missing these movies that that as a small child. So ever since then, I've been pretty much literally obsessed with Star Wars uh, since it took up that entire summer. That was all I did. Okay, so I need to know, when did you actually figure out that it was Spaceballs? It was probably a good three or four years later when I was in high school that I knew that it was Spaceballs. It was when uh, I had Spaceballs on DVD. It was after I already had a DVD player when I realized that all of this stuff, that it was actually Spaceballs I was watching. That is embarrassing to admit, but yeah, I was probably 14 or 15 years old. Wow. Yeah. yeah. If you guys don't know, Spaceballs is a parody of Star Wars, and it's very, very obviously a parody. Very much. Done by Mel Brooks. If you haven't watched it, you guys should probably go watch it, uh, and maybe you'll become obsessed with Star Wars, too. They're making a Spaceballs sequel, I heard. I don't haven't read much more about it, but they're supposed to be making a, uh, like, the Schwartz Awakens is what I think I heard it was called. Oh, no. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't even know if the old one has aged very well. I refuse to watch it because I don't know, and I actually have fond memories of it because of that. So it's one of those I don't want to watch again because some Mel Brooks movies don't hold up for me, and some of them are brilliant, and I don't want to know. You're probably better off leaving it to nostalgia. Just remember it the way it is in your mind and never go back. Exactly. So what do you actually think about the prequels now that we know that you thought that you had watched them and then you actually (laughs) found out later what did you think i mean we don't have to dwell on the prequels because i know there are very strong feelings about it but overall i loved them when they came out like you said i was in high school when i was 16 years old when episode one came out i skipped school that day i even i told my teachers i was leaving that i wasn't coming to school and i actually bought i held their place in line and bought their tickets because i waited in line for them all day when school let out they came and gave me their money for their tickets that i'd already bought for them these are like my high school math teachers and english teachers and stuff it was awesome and so i watched it and i loved it oh my god i loved it so much it was the best thing in the entire world i watched it so many times episode two and three the exact same way you know i was in college 2003 and 2005 i think i loved these movies like i adored them and then years later over the years i've watched them over and over again i just keep going like man 
those are not very good. And then I rewatched all of them with Jennifer for the first time uh, before The Force Awakens came out. And they're really bad. Like, I just cannot. They're not interesting for me to watch anymore. And that makes me so sad. I see good things in them, but then the execution just kind of kind of fell off. I feel the same way, generally. Um, There are things in them that are impressive. Like, if you've ever looked at the technology that they had to invent to be able to do what they did with episode one. It's amazing. It basically took our filmmaking forward into a completely new era of CG, which is just, it's amazing. Like, ILM does crazy work, industrial lights, magic. And that was one of the things that just pushed us forward like as an industry to what we are today. And you can't diminish that. No, but the movies themselves, the script, the, Oh, the dialogue, the dialogue. It's so bad. I mean, you can, you can isolate a couple action scenes that are still good, still worth watching. And, you know, it's good to know the overall story because it does tie into the rest. It's canon, right? but they're not great. Like I can't sit down and just watch them for fun. You know, I rewatched them with my wife right before we saw episode seven and we made fun of them the whole time that was the only way we could get through them honestly that's the same thing that we did with episode two especially that was the one that that we made the fun of the most because that as jennifer put it there was no story there it was just a bunch of scenes of obi-wan going and doing these these just random things and that was kind of the way we felt about them and you can actually you do learn some things about sand by watching that movie what do you mean well, it's coarse, you know, oh, it's that, rough. It it gets everywhere. It does. It gets everywhere. That is true. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but you can't, going back to what you said about ILM and the technology, I realized just how much better episode one was from a production standpoint recently when my friend uh, Austin looked through the visual dictionaries that I had and episode one had so much more content in it that they created so much more for the world of episode one because it was this first one that they did that they had to do all of this new stuff that they were figuring out what they could do that when episode two came around it wasn't anywhere nearly as rich that the that when we were looking through them the visual dictionary of the props and the things that they were world building with it was nowhere near as complete and I have no idea about episode three because I don't have that one but I know looking at the first two it was really crazy on the amount of effort they put in on episode one compared to the others yeah I think what they figured out they really revolutionized CG technology in episode one. And then they learned that there's all this stuff that they can now do with CG. And George Lucas loved it because he can play with everything in post-production that way and make everything exactly the way that he wants it without anybody else being able to come in and edit him, which honestly he needs a good editor. He needs people over him to contradict him. And he doesn't have that anymore, which is why I'm glad that it moved to Disney. Like I like the direction that it went. I do too. Because of that, episode two and three have all of this green screen all of this blue scene if you ever ever see behind the scenes photos of the production it's like little set pieces with tons of blue or tons of green behind it yep and everything else is done in post and it has such a different feel because of it it does and i think that jj abrams in episode seven made the absolute right choice to be able to do it with a lot of practical effects that way i mean i'm all about computer generating graphics whenever you need to and whenever you can and whenever you you know that's what you can do but i like practical effects i mean i like 
puppets and things like that. I like Muppets and and I just like I love Farscape for goodness sake. I mean, I love I love just real things that that feel real. Yeah, I loved. I mean, I I could tell when they were coming out with kind of the preview footage, mm-hmm. you know, all the teaser stuff for episode seven. Yep. You could see that they were using practical effects everywhere that they could. Like some, you know, CG is still great when you use it correctly. Yes, and they did. There's tons of CG all throughout The Force Awakens, but they used so much practical stuff. And they knew how to seem like put it together that the seams blurred a lot more because they knew to make the CG look more like a practical effect rather than making it look like CG on purpose, kind of like the Warcraft movie is doing on purpose. It looks like a video game when it's coming out. Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that BB-8 is practical. I mean, I know I know yeah. he's CG in some scenes, but for the most part, BB-8 is there. Like, he's practical. He's on set. He rolls around like that. You know, he interacts with the actors. It's amazing. I can't believe it, that they did that. It is amazing. I mean, I have one of the cheap, well, not cheap, cheap, but I have one of the uh, Target BB-8s that Jennifer got me for Christmas. And just being able to roll around with my own basically pet droid here that 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 beeps and makes noises is astonishing that that technology exists because even in my living room floor it looks and feels like magic. It is fantastic. I, I and I, it's the kind of magic that you don't feel from even a radio controlled car or a drone or something like that that it being BB-8, I feel like BB is in my house and I love it. I've played around with those. Those are really cool. Those are fun. But I mean, I I mean, I guess I should just say that like episode seven in general, I loved it. I thought it was great. Did you like yeah. it? I have seen it five times now uh, and I love it. Like I can't speak highly enough of it. It is definitely not a perfect film. Like uh, there's no way that I would claim that like it's the best movie ever made or anything. But I think in terms of the Star Wars movies, I do think it is the one I would tell new people to watch because it is the best it is the most technically well made in terms of pacing, in terms of storyline and being engaging and things like that. That if you're a newcomer, especially if you watch it, if you're if you don't like episode seven, then you're probably not going to like the others. And there's a lot of people who have seen episode four and don't particularly care for it, who I know that they've liked this new one. It feels like a modern movie, but it looks and has that kind of aesthetic of the old ones. It's like, I don't know. I just I think that they did such a good job making it feel like a Star Wars movie that I can't not want other people to watch it and enjoy it like that. It's it's this is my this is my I don't know if it's the best of the Star Wars movies, but it's the best made and it's probably my favorite at this point. I think it's actually my favorite, too, which is really surprising that it could topple the classics. But I mean, I like you were saying, it has the modern pacing, which makes a world of difference. And with the modern technology and, you know, blending practical and you know, CG effects. And it's like, it's finally that Star Wars that we loved from the original trilogy brought up to modern standards, which is what we thought the prequels were going to be, but they weren't. And that's what, I think that's what I like the most about it is that so many people complain that it's fan service, that so many people, George Lucas included, saying that he made this movie to appeal to the fans and the fans alone. But 
honestly and that it's kind of kitschy and that it it is super pulpy and to those people i always look and i don't ever want to get into this kind of you know nerd ragey argument about it but i always look at them and I, i'm like that's what star wars is though that's what made me love it is that it's kitschy and pulpy and just kind of that it doesn't take itself so seriously that it's this movie is fun to watch it doesn't have to be i I love that about it. it doesn't have to be more than that and they made the movie they were trying to make and that's something that i always respect out of a filmmaker is that if you go in and you make the movie you set out to make then it's a success and this time it happened to line up with exactly what i was wanting out of it as well well and you can tell that it's made by fans and yes. i love that like you said it's fan service but not just fan service it's actually made by fans of the original movies the people who are watching these in the 70s and 80s are now the people who are old enough right. to be the directors and the writers like jj abrams you know he's a star wars fan first and then he's the director and writer of episode seven second and i think it shows and it makes all the difference you know he gets the material he really gets it in a way that i think he's even you know fessed up that he never really got star trek even yep. though he did the reboots and when you watch those star trek movies the last two um the rebooted ones they almost have a star wars feel to them because jj abrams is a star wars kid and now he's you know the executive producer for this new trilogy and it's amazing and that some people think that's a bad thing and that's fine and i fully understand because i love star trek as well and so i fully understand the feeling changed in the new reboots and that may be one of the reasons that i like the reboots so much of the star trek movies is that they feel a little more star warsy because i've always been more of a star wars fan than i was uh, a star trek fan even though i've seen like almost all of the shows uh i'm still just love the star wars universe more and i am just i understand the difference but i think that's why i like them so much is because they feel so much like star wars movies and when i was watching into darkness when uh, benedict cumberbatch leapt over uh and attacked the klingons i was like that's what jedi are gonna look like i'm okay i'm sold when they're flying the shuttle in to uh and and avoiding things through a chasm i think uh, it's been a while a few months since i watched it i was like yep that's what the millennium falcon's gonna look like I'm okay with this. This is just his his tryout for doing Star Wars, and I'm okay with it. Oh, yeah, me too. I, I like those Star Trek reboots, but I love Star Wars, and you can tell yeah. that J.J. Abrams does too, and it kind of he kind of blended the lines there, so I'm glad that he's in the Star Wars world now. It seems like it's a better fit for him, and I'm so excited to see Episode Eight. I can't yes. wait. I am I'm going crazy waiting on episode eight like I thought I was going when they delayed it again I got really upset like more upset than I should have because I it, it's a movie but I'm like no that <laughs> means that there's another six months that I'm having to wait on the next like major Star Wars movie and we're gonna have Rogue One coming in and I'm I, how do you feel about Rogue One because I'm torn honestly I don't know whether or not to get excited about Rogue One I'm excited I think okay. I, I think it has a lot of work to do because it has to set the new bar for what an anthology movie is because yeah. we've never had one before. So it gets to be its own thing while still being a Star Wars movie. Um, I don't envy the job of the writer and the director because that's no. such a hard place to be. Nobody has ever been in that place before. I mean, you know, George Lucas, when he made the first Star Wars movie, he was making a new thing. And then after that, everyone has been 
an episode number that yes. ties into the main series and those all deal with the skywalker family this is the first movie that gets to be a spinoff that is in the universe but not directly related to the main saga so it has to find its own way for the first time i think it's going to be really interesting to watch how they do that and the thing is, all I have right now is excitement because we know almost nothing about it. Yeah. You know, the basic premise is that it's the group that went and got either found or stole or acquired the Death Star plans mm-hmm. before episode four. And that's about it. I mean, they haven't released that much from the set. We don't have many teasers. I think there's two or three images out there of the cast and that's it. Yep. And that's actually kind of why I'm not terribly excited. I know I'm going to get excited when I actually see something that feels like old Star Wars. That that's where I'm going to really, I'm going to, you know, as as Jennifer always put it, like whenever there was something new Star Wars, there was a new trailer or a new article with something new before Episode 7, I would be like, everybody, everybody, quiet, 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 quiet. There's new Star Wars. Nobody talk while I watch this. And I would seriously make everybody around me be completely silent because there was new Star Wars. And then it was over. And I'm like, okay, everybody's good. You're good. You're good. I've, I've, I've seen the new Star Wars stuff. And it's like, that's what I'm going to do with Rogue One. I know that I'm going to get that way of excited about it. But just because there's a couple of images I don't know, know much about it yet, I'm trying to avoid the level of uh, craziness that I got to with, uh, with Episode 7. See, and more than anything, even if Rogue One doesn't end up being like an amazing movie it's opening the way for the anthology films and i think there's so much potential there there are all of these side stories side characters that aren't directly related to the skywalker family that have become fan favorites or that are really interesting and before these anthology films the only way that you could get a fix for that kind of character is to watch the tie-ins or the spin-offs and you know it's not it's not the same kind of satisfaction as seeing it on the big screen in movie form. And this is the way that we're finally going to see more about Han Solo. I don't know if I, how I feel about that. That's a mixed, you know, bag of worms there, but I'm more excited for, there's the possibility, like what if we get a Boba Fett film? Like we don't actually know that much about Boba Fett in the new Canon universe. There could be a whole movie about him. You know, what if we finally get an Obi-Wan movie that's just Obi-Wan and it's Ewan McGregor. Do you know how amazing that could be? He's such a good actor, and he was given such bad scripts for the prequels. If we could actually see Ewan McGregor do an Obi-Wan anthology movie, I would be all in immediately. I just... I, he, he is my Obi-Wan. I mean, his scripts are terrible, and I, I you are 100% spot on on that. The scripts that he was handed, he did the best that he could with them, I think, because I love him and pretty much everything he's in, but... He's my Obi-Wan. I I think about Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it's Ewan McGregor over Alec Guinness. And I'm fairly certain I'm going to get hate mail about that from somebody, but or a hate tweet at least. But it is, I, I see Obi-Wan as Ewan McGregor because he just feels like Obi-Wan. I don't know. It, it's weird. I guess I know because he likes the role, and Alec Guinness kind of hated it and, and looked down on it. So I'm like, Ewan McGregor was like making lightsaber sounds as he's fighting. They had to edit out in post. I'm like, yeah, that's my Obi-Wan, the guy who's going like I did when I was six years old, 33 years old, whatever. Yeah, and I love that too. I don't know if you've ever seen the like episode one behind-the-scenes documentary. It's a very poorly made documentary i wouldn't actually watch like recommend watching it (laughs) yeah but but in it um you can see it's just kind of like a random behind the scenes shots and they don't really tell a good story but you can tell that 
Ewan McGregor is so excited to be in Star Wars, to have his own lightsaber, to be Obi-Wan. Yeah. He he is so into that world because he grew up with it. Yeah. I would love to see him given a chance to actually use his like acting skills mm-hmm. and be Obi-Wan between episodes three and four and just have his own movie. I think it could be amazing. Oh, if he could be Clone Wars Obi-Wan, that would be fantastic. Oh, well, I think, you know, right between when he drops off Luke and when he meets Luke when Luke is in his 20s. Like, what did he do for all those oh, years yeah. on Tatooine? Oh, you said between three and four. For some reason, I heard between two and three. And yeah, if he could if he could just be Hermit, if he could be Hermit Obi-Wan like that, it would be awesome. I think there's a lot of potential there. It could, there's a lot of well, stories that could be told like that, too. And one of the other things is in episode seven in Ray's Force Vision, you hear the voice that calls out to her that says her name. It says Ray, and it's a blend of Alex Guinness and even McGregor as Obi Wan talking to her through the Force. So where's the tie in there? Like, is she related to Obi Wan instead of a Skywalker? I'm I love really, that I'm really I love hoping that, that that is. I want that to be the case way more than her being a Skywalker. To be completely honest, I don't want her to be Luke's daughter or granddaughter or anything like that. Probably not granddaughter, but I don't want her to be related to Luke in any way. I want her to be either a Kenobi or just somebody. I would love her just to be a nobody. But I know, I mean, it's a family story, so I know there's something going to be going on. But I really don't want her to be a Skywalker. Yeah, I think there has to be a tie-in because they've mentioned now that they are doing anthology films people asked what's the difference between the anthology films and the main numbered films and they said the main numbered films are the saga of the skywalker family basically so she has to have some tie-in i think luke being her father is the obvious choice and i don't like it for that reason yep no it's too easy obi-wan or you know someone else something else yeah anything else really in my mind i'm cool with the connection because like you know like we've said that's what the story is but i just i just do not like the idea of her being luke's daughter it just i don't know it just sits so as many things that were cliche in episode seven that i am you know fully able to accept and just be like yep i love that i just don't want her to be luke's i just really i don't want her to be related luke's family i think it's too obvious i mean the Star Wars movies, they really like to drop big bombs on you, yeah. big twists. And I think that her being Luke's daughter is much too obvious to actually include. Yeah. If they actually include the I am your father part in the second movie of the second trilogy, uh, they're going to get so much flack about it. And like, I don't know, that's one of those moments that would go down in like movie history as being one of the worst things ever. Like, right. You know, what would be more interesting is if she convinces herself that Luke is her, her father and then he gets to tell her, I am not your father. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not your dad. Leave me alone. I'm not your dad. But dad, that's a much more please. interesting story. I like that they're doing things that are more interesting yes. and aren't as easy because, like I said, I read all well, not all. I read almost all of the old tie in novels. The they now call them legends yeah. books because they don't apply to the storyline anymore. But in that old storyline that I was very invested in for many years, Luke reforms the Jedi Order, he succeeds, the New Republic succeeds, and they move on from there. This took the same premise and flipped it. You know, the new canon lot, like storyline, which is what episode seven is, the New Republic was founded, 
Luke tried to reestablish the Jedi Order and he failed. Yes. How much more interesting is that than him just succeeding and having another generation of Jedi? Him failing is so much more interesting. It is way better in terms of storytelling. Like one of the things I had read, one of the best advices, advices. Wow, I teach Englishes too. Uh, one of the <laughs> best pieces of advice that I've ever got uh, was that I read rather was at the end of every chapter. What can you do to make your characters lives the worst that they can possibly be and that's going to keep people reading that at the end of every chapter what is the worst thing that can happen to these people and for luke skywalker that's what it is he 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 becomes the last jedi he trains up he defeats his father and restarts and then he fails at it he saves the galaxy and then fails at actually restarting something to help them like that's the worst thing that you can do to luke it's not him dying or going over the dark side that's not the worst thing that can happen to luke because he has always been the one to succeed the worst thing that you can do to him is make him fail and so i'm really glad that they did that and i'm really hoping that they keep on with that that kind of i don't even know what the word is but that that I don't, it's not a tradition yet but with along that same path where if he's going to end up training ray i am very much hoping that it's not a traditional kind of master padawan kind of relationship that there's something different that's going to be between them since they're going back to the beginning of the jedi uh, order at the first temple and all of that yeah, and I think that it could be interesting if Ray falls to the dark side because Luke didn't, right? He was tempted, and in second movie, third movie, he was very tempted, and then he didn't. I think if they don't want to mirror the old trilogy exactly, if they want to take the challenging story path, have Ray fall to the dark side, have Kylo Ren redeemed instead. Do a switch, you know, flip him around. How interesting could that be? Absolutely, because that, that that I feel the same way. That's what I'm kind of hoping with him actually wanting to be him talking about the whole. Uh, he feels the light side pulling at him and all of this. That's what I. But Ray wasn't ever tempted. That's the only thing. If they do, they haven't foreshadowed it yet in terms of her going to the dark side. Anytime something has come up in in episode seven, at least, uh, anytime something has come up for her to fall to the dark side, she hasn't even been remotely tempted. Kind of like Leia, that that she's like Leia in that Leia was never tempted to go to the dark side. She was just, you know, doing what was right and doing the the good thing throughout the entire the entire time. And maybe they'll deal with some comics like that. That's one thing I'm actually hoping to see in either uh I like the comics better than a lot of the new novels just because I can read them more easily. So I'm kind of hoping they deal with those kinds of ideas in comics that lead up to episode 8. So Star Wars comics, they started coming out last year from Marvel. Those are the first comics that I have ever paid money for, like my own money to ever. buy a comic. Ever. Ever. Wow. That is... I read a lot of them, and I like them a lot. Have you read them? I've read uh, the first six or seven issues of Star Wars, the the Star Wars title, the first six or seven issues of Vader. I loved both of those. Vader was way better than Star Wars, in my opinion. I absolutely adore... Door Kanan. Kanan is a fantastic story to me. I love the issues of Kanan that I've read, uh, The Last Padawan. It is so good, in my opinion. I just love it. Um, and I started Leia, and I just didn't like it. 
I wanted to like Leia, and I just there was just something about the entire story I just could not get into. I I wanted to because I love I love Leia. I mean, my dog is named Princess Leia, but I just I just didn't like the book, and I feel bad. That's okay. I disagree with you completely. I liked Leia a lot. I thought it was a really good five comic, you know, run, yeah. and I enjoyed. I enjoyed every one of them. So, I mean, to each their own. Yeah. The other ones, I agree with you, though. I think Star Wars, the main title comic, um, is the weakest of the, all mm-hmm. the other ones because okay. it's trying to be so broad and cover its bases. Vader is really good, although you can already tell that they've kind of done a few initial storylines, and now they're digging into more, I don't know, they're kind of reaching for the Are next they? thing to the point where I might be done with that one. Oh, okay. But... I like seeing the other characters when they pull them in for like a little, you know, four or five, six comic arc, and then it's done. It has a complete story because they had Leia, they had Lando, and then they did Chewbacca. And I thought all of those were good. I think I may have actually read the first issue of Lando. I don't know if I actually got to it. I had the, I was using the Marvel Unlimited app and uh, reading what they had on there during a free month that they offered. And that was, Lando got on there, but I honestly don't know if I continued if i read it or if i just added it to my list yeah lando is pretty good i i just like that you know it's a story that they want to tell they tell it and they wrap it up yeah they don't have to keep reaching for the next thing which is kind of where vader is and they don't have to dilute it down to keep it you know broad enough like star wars i do think that you're right with kanan kanan the last padawan is really good and it's still going on it's still running and it's Okay, I think good. it's on issue like, I don't know, 11, 13, 15, something, something in the, you know, low teens maybe, but it's still good. Good, because I love the character of Kanan and I love the way that the story was being told in the early issues of the the comic, especially it's just also set during a time where we don't really see any part of the, we don't really see a whole lot of the other part of the universe we don't see the seedy underbelly part of the universe right after the clone wars like we don't know what's going on and with him being underground at that point i really really like what they're doing with it yeah and it ties into star wars rebels too which is really nice because i've been watching rebels have you i am about halfway through season two i stopped right as the season actually came back and I was waiting on it to finish because I was going to just binge all of them because I bought the season on Amazon Prime since we don't have uh, TV service I do all my stuff through, through streaming and so that was one of the seasons that I bought and since I think it just finished up didn't it did the season just end like last week maybe or week before I think the finale was last night as of when we oh. were recording this okay then yes I am probably going to be doing that either this weekend or coming next week week uh is that that will be one of my binge days though i love rebels it's kind of like clone wars in that sometimes they have a one-off episode or like a side character centric episode that isn't that great yes overall the series is good and then when you have the episodes that deal with the main like jedi storyline where the main characters are kanan ezra and then ahsoka comes back from the clone wars when the story is about them it's amazing it's so good like it is i watched all of the clone wars and i like 
Ahsoka 100 times better in Rebels than I ever did with her in Clone Wars. She grew on me in Clone Wars. I hated her in the first season of it, but after that, as she started to mature as a character, I started really liking the character. And when she's an adult in Rebels, she is awesome. She is fantastic. And I just, I'm, I'm really, truly nervous about the things that are going on at the end of uh, season two of Rebels. Yeah. And Clone Wars, for those of you who don't know, it's not episode two. Clone Wars is a tie-in. Um, it's basically like not animated, but CG show. CG animated. Yeah. Yeah. CG animated show that they made during, it was probably like right around episode three. Is when yeah, they started it. It was after episode three because it the initial one came out in theaters and it came out after and it was the only Star Wars movie I've not seen in the theaters. Yeah, and it tells the story of basically what happened with Anakin and Obi-Wan between episode two and three, and it's all about the Clone Wars. And the main unique character that they created for it is Ahsoka Tano, who ends up being Anakin's apprentice. And like you said, she grows on you throughout the series and she has she has one of the best storylines I've seen in Star Wars when you get to the end of Clone Wars. It's not till season I can't remember if it's five or six. I think it's five. I think it's but five because I don't yeah, I think it's five. She she gets a really cool storyline where, you know, she was an apprentice and you know that she's not his apprentice by the time episode three comes along. So it's not a huge spoiler to say that she leaves the Jedi Order, but it's about how she leaves the Jedi Order and why she leaves the Jedi Order. And it's a really good piece of Star Wars storytelling. It was one of the very few times that Star Wars has legitimately made me cry. That Oh yeah, I can it, see that. It I love Star Wars and it was kind of one of those moments that really took me by surprise at how much I cared about it because I'd started out not like her. I've got I, weirdly enough, I have goosebumps talking about it right now because it was emotional. I was so emotionally invested in it that I'm just uh, thinking about it. I'm like, man, that was so it, it, it was meaningful. It wasn't even that it was sad. It was just meaningful. And I'm just like, man, I don't ever want to be in that situation. <laughs> Like I'll ever be in the situation of leaving the Jedi Order, but I'm never leaving. I know. Who would do that? But at this point, Ahsoka is like my favorite Star Wars character who's not in the movies. You know? I still have to say that Thrawn is mine, but in terms of just from the, the novels. But yeah, I mean, Ahsoka is the stories and the things that they've done she she grows like she is a she feels like a person in these which doesn't happen a lot from both animated series and you know comics and and all that kind of stuff you you don't see characters who legitimately grow from one series to the next and you see her grow up into an adult and be like okay they made a very conscious choice to make her character actually evolve and i don't know if you noticed this because i think you watched it more when it was coming out I didn't watch Clone Wars until right before episode seven when I binged it all five oh. seasons over the course of one month. But oh they my. actually, yeah, I know I watched a lot of one show over a very short amount of time. They actually age her character up throughout the series. Like Do her, they? yeah, her character model actually changes and grows up over the course of the series. And they don't change anybody else, but they change her. And it's really interesting to see how they kind of refine her character as she's coming into her own. I didn't notice that. I yeah, knew it's that really when, cool. I knew that in Rebels, she has a much harder look and a much more kind of lithe and uh, almost world-weary, like just 
way about her and just just the way she holds herself is different in rebels but i never really noticed by the end of clone wars because i'd done it season by season some here as it was coming on that i would just watch an entire season later that kind of thing but i never really noticed them changing her that much yeah it's subtle but i noticed it because i binged it that way that makes it was sense. much more obvious but it was really cool it's really cool Ah. Uh. I love Star Wars. I know. It, what else? What else should we talk about? We're already getting to the point where we should think about wrapping up. I don't want to stop talking about Star Wars though. Was there anything else big that you wanted to hit? Uh, with Star Wars stuff, it's just like like the Old Republic. I'm very sad about the Old Republic right now. That every time I get into the Old Republic, I know you had a really hard time getting into it. And I love, absolutely adore the new story that they're telling, the Knights of the Fallen Empire. It is such a good story, but is still completely marred by the uh, MMO mechanics that they've put into it, that the cash shop and all of this and having to be a subscriber to actually get to it. And it's just, I don't know, the story is so good, but in between the story breaks you still have to play that same mmo stuff that feels like i'm playing the burning crusade in 2006 and i don't know it's just i want to play it and like it that's one that i just keep going back to and i think about all the time like i need to play this game to see the story and how it wraps up but i i just can't make myself i don't know it's i want to i can see that i had a lot of trouble getting into that game too and for me it was because I really liked Knights of the Old Republic. Yes. That was a great video game. I thought Knights of the Old Republic 2. I don't think I ever really finished that, but it's uh, worth it. I don't know. I liked it, it. It was okay. It's kind of the it's the B team developer, like we mentioned last week, where uh, where the Arkham game. That's the way I feel. I mean, that's is what happened when Nazi the Old Republic two had the B team developer, but it was good. I, I enjoyed it. They pretty much ignore a lot of the stuff that happened in it for old, the Old Republic for the MMO, but it all works out in terms of yeah, you know, it's it's worth your time to go through. So my problem was I just wanted it to be a single player RPG. I wanted it to be Knights of the Old Republic 3. And instead, they tried to cram how much content worth into it. I think they said that it's more like Knights of the Old Republic 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 in one game. Except they wrapped it in all of the MMO mechanics that I'm so over that I don't ever want to play again. And that's the entire problem. Every patch that they come out with for that game, you have fantastic Star Wars story. It's very hard to find bad class story where you know you're a Jedi Knight, that kind of class. Those are very good stories. But then you have the planetary stories and things like that that are not very nearly as interesting. Some of them are. And you get it marred by having to go and play an MMO between them. And every patch, they do something to make it easier to solo and easier to play alone, but you're still... It's like playing an MMO alone. It's not like playing a cool single-player game between cutscenes. It's like you're playing a weird old MMO between between cutscenes, and that is... It just kind of... It's, it's not nearly as good as playing an actual single-player game, even if they've moved the MMO mechanics to be accommodating for single-player. Yeah, I... And I mean, we haven't even talked about any of the other Star Wars video games. Okay, no. we, this, this is not going to be the last Star Wars podcast. We both love it. It will come up again. We need to start wrapping up our main topic, though. Oh, it hurts me to say that. I could talk about Star Wars forever. I know... Uh, okay, let's let's get over to our weekly geekery. This week I have Factorio, which is a game you can get on Steam. Um, it doesn't look like much, and I wasn't going to buy it for myself because it really did not impress me when I looked at it. 
my brother bought it for me and he said we're playing this get online so i did and then i emerged like seven hours later like i i don't know what happened it just grabbed us it's kind of kind of like minecraft very vaguely in that you start out and you have to gather a little bit of wood gather a little bit of coal craft a couple things at the beginning but that's where it starts after that the entire game is automating like one tech level below you so the very first thing you do grab some wood grab some coal whatever the next thing you're going to do is set up some automated miners to mine coal for you and then you're going to start building some conveyor belts and moving materials around you're going to go take that coal and put it into a furnace to you know smelt some iron or some copper and you slowly start tying these things together like you can always manually craft things one off but instead what you do is you set up these giant processes where arms pick up this material from here, drop it on a conveyor belt. Your conveyor belt takes it somewhere else and drops it into another machine that turns it into whatever. And suddenly seven hours have gone by and you have this giant factory and you're completely obsessed. At least that's what happened to me. So Factorio, that's that's my weekly geekery. Check it out on Steam. I think it's about 15 or 20 bucks, but it's so worth it. And it's multiplayer. We played multiplayer making a factory together. It was amazing. And my weekly geekery is actually the Marvel Unlimited app. It is basically Netflix for Marvel Comics at $10 a month. Uh, I have This is how I've read most of the comics that I've read lately, actually. They will send out occasional emails and give free months as things are coming up, as big Marvel or products are coming out. And they did it for the Star Wars release when the new Star Wars comics went onto the app. Uh, they did it for something else last year that I got a free month out of that ended up making me subscribe for a few months. And I'm almost certain they're going to do it before the Civil War uh, release as well to send out to people uh, who have Marvel Unlimited accounts, whether you're subscribers or not, to give free uh, accounts to. So you go in, you download it on your phone, and you can read pretty much the entire backlog of Marvel comics from the 60s to now on your phone or your tablet or on... I, I think you can do it on your computer. I'm not sure about that, but on your phone or your tablet, on Android or iOS. And they do it by curated storyline. So with Civil War coming up, let's say you can just go and read every Civil War comic that came out that they've based the new movie on and be completely caught up. And they stay about six months behind on current run comics. But if you subscribe for a month or two and then let it sit for a month or two, you get another basically a queue set up of things that are getting put back on there. And it is awesome to be able to just get on read some comics especially when they do the free month and that that's that's how i've gotten all of my comics lately and with the star wars comics on there now i couldn't not have this as be my geekery because that is why i stayed subscribed to it for an extra month was to get through the storylines that were on there and read vader and star wars and kanan and just just see all of it there it is a fantastic app it the app itself is free they always have free comics try it out see if you like reading comics on your phone or your tablet it's awesome the marvel unlimited app it is different however from the marvel app make sure you download the marvel unlimited app uh to get the uh the subscription service for uh digital comics that's cool i totally second that i've done marvel unlimited before for little periods here and there where i binged on comics and it's great it is fantastic for binging comics yeah What do you got for health hack? 
Okay, this week's health hack is very simple. I just want you to find a buddy. I don't care if it's on Twitter. It can be in person. But for me, and I know you and I both uh, do this, and and it helps for both of us, for each other, is just having somebody to do stuff with. If you, It's easier to go for a walk if you have a friend to be able to go out with. I'm lucky I live with mine being my wife, and now that my ankle is healed up after the, the... torn ligament we can go out for walks again and we are way more likely to do it together than we are one of us doing it on our own so every night we'll go out and take the dog for a walk or something like that uh find a buddy to go eat at a healthy restaurant every week and it's or or restaurant and basically to look at like no maybe you shouldn't get the extra large fries this time or just something like that just have that have a buddy to do stuff with and you will be more active have a buddy it 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 is truly one of the best things you can do for your health. Yeah, even if it's just digital. I mean, you and I do this for each other. I'll tell you that it's my run day and I don't feel like running and you'll tell me, go run, and then I will. I mean, it's just having someone there to bounce things off of and give you a little encouragement. I had a stranger draw me a picture out of crayons on Twitter when I didn't want to go run one night. I tweeted before I went home from work and said I didn't want to go run. And they sent me an image where they had hand drawn me a picture that was telling me to go run. And when somebody does that to you, you know what you're going to do? You're going to go run. And... Because somebody took that effort for you, who and it was a stranger, and because it was a stranger, it meant that much more to me. And so, yeah, Twitter is wonderful. When, when I don't want to run or something like that, it helps a lot. Excellent. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, for our extra long episode. I make no promises on time length of these episodes when we talk about Star Wars. Ever. You're just no, lucky this no was promises. not seven hours. This could have been seven hours. Think about it. Anyway, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We're pretty active on there. I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's, B-E-E-J. And I blog sporadically at geekfitness.net and uh, on Instagram as at geekfitness underscore. Uh, we also have our Instagram that I'm trying to figure out as at geek to geekcast So follow us on Instagram as well and teach me how to do pictures. Everything is basically geek to geek cast. You can find us if you try. Yep. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. And actually, with the permission of an awesome artist that I reached out to, Carbo Hydro M, we finally have some outro music. So see you next week, geeks. Bye. Bye.